One of Judah's favorite rooms to play in at home is the garage. And one of Judah's favorite games to play in the garage is to play with a ratchet and socket set that we have. And even though this is a supervised activity, somehow the tools still seem to go missing. I've even found some of my tools in the grass before. And a couple weeks ago, I mentioned to my dad after that that I finally understood why he had so many duplicate tools when my siblings and I were growing up. And when I said that to him, he just laughed, which I assume means that we did the same things. And then I thought about the fact that you know, my dad never got upset about that stuff when we were little, playing with or losing his tools. And he was just glad that his kids were safe and happy. It was obvious that he loved us more than he loved stuff. And many times, my dad demonstrated his love for us even in small ways like that. For example, I remember some of those Saturdays when he would surprise us, take all of us kids to a, a local arcade. We would go inside, he'd put a $20 bill in the change machine and divide it up amongst us, and we felt like royalty, playing arcade games for an hour or two with our pocket full of change. And we never, we never knew how much time he was taking away from his schedule to do that with us. We never knew how he was giving our mom a break when he did that, but we knew that he loved us. I remember when he would teach us sports outside, he taught us play baseball and lacrosse and football out in the backyard, sometimes late into the evening. And we didn't know about how much energy he was expending to do that, but we knew that he loved us. <coughs> when I was a teenager, I was determined that my first car would be a manual, even though I couldn't drive an automatic. And my dad willingly taught me how to drive that. And I know that those were frustrating days for him, but he's patient with me. I know that he loves me. You see, my dad has always told his kids that he loves us, and it's never been hard to believe because he demonstrates that love, even in small ways like these. It's not just about what he says, it's about what he does. Many times it's true that actions speak louder than words. And that's not just true in regards for our love for others, that actions speak louder than words, but that's true when it comes to our character as well. And this Father's Day, as we pause to celebrate fathers, to recognize fathers, and to pray for them. This Father's Day, I also want us to pause and take a look at the story of a father whose life was defined by his actions. Now, this man is an individual who we're all most likely familiar with, although we probably rarely pause to consider his story. We read his story, at least part of it, every single year at Christmas. We depict him in nativity scenes, but how many of us really know about Joseph? We're going to take a look at some of his story together this morning, starting, if you have your Bibles, in Matthew chapter 1. As always, I would encourage you, if you do have a Bible, to follow along with us. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be jumping around just a little bit this morning, but again, I encourage you to stay with me. If you can, as we look at the story of Joseph. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 18. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, 
She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph must have been excited to to be engaged to be married to a woman of such humble faith as Mary. I mean, she was the one. But before their marriage ceremony came, that time when they would celebrate with family and friends and Joseph and Mary would officially come together as husband and wife, he finds that before that, Mary, she's pregnant. Joseph knows he isn't the father, so to him, that can only mean that Mary has been with someone else. Surely that wasn't the Mary that he knew. I can't imagine how shocking that must have been for him. This must have brought tremendous grief to Joseph's heart. Feelings of betrayal, feelings of embarrassment. Maybe you've been through a time like that in your life when someone hurt you or betrayed your confidence or your trust. Do you remember how you felt? Because if so, maybe you can identify some of the ways that Joseph may have been feeling. And sometimes when we feel that we have been wronged in some way, we get upset, we get angry, might even be tempted to get even with that person. And I wonder if Joseph faced that temptation. He could have gotten upset with Mary. He could have chosen to get back at her. After all, unfaithfulness was a serious breach in the law. It could even result in the death penalty. At the very least, it was publicly shameful. But we find that Joseph, he didn't want any of that for Mary. Despite how he may have felt, he chose to guard her dignity and to divorce her quietly. And two verses into his story, or I should say his part in this story, two verses in we find that Joseph, Joseph was a man of integrity. How do we know that? Because Joseph, he could have sought his own self-interests, but he looked out for Mary instead. He could have shown contempt for her, but he showed compassion. He could have decided to humiliate her, but he chose a humble response instead. Joseph was an honorable man, and God had plans for him. Look at verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we'll pause right here. Now, now Joseph has all the information. This child wasn't conceived out of adultery, but as a result of the power of God. God tells Joseph to stay with Mary and to give the child the name Jesus. And we often put a lot of emphasis on the fact that God chose Mary to be the mother of Jesus, which is true. But let's not overlook the fact that God chose Joseph too. Let's not think that after choosing Mary, God was stuck with Joseph. 
and that he thought to himself, yeah, I guess he'll do. That's not true. God could easily have orchestrated all things so that any other individual man was engaged to marry, but he didn't. He didn't do that because God chose Joseph to walk in this role. And is that surprising? Is it any surprise that a man of integrity would be the one to lead the home that the Son of God would come to? It's no wonder that God chose Joseph for this role. Now, Jesus would not be the biological child of Joseph because Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. But Joseph, Joseph was called by God to be the legal and foster father of Jesus. And that was a high calling. Let's see how he responded in verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph wasn't just a man of integrity, he was a man of obedience. How do we know that? Because God gave him a command and Joseph obeyed. We're never told that Joseph asked God questions, that he put up any resistance, or that he said he needed some time to think about. And the Bible records many instances when people did respond to God like that. Isn't that how we respond to God sometimes? But not Joseph. He woke up and he did what he was commanded. How many of us do that, believers? How many of us obey God's word the moment we read the truth in it? Or obey God the moment his spirit leads us to move in a particular way? I was reading Joseph's story this week and I was thinking, wow, wow, this guy, he was, he was a diamond in the rough. He was a gem among men. And then I realized that this, this immediate obedience that he showed, it should be true of every Christian father and every Christian in general. But is it? Is it true of all of us? Now, I know maybe some of us are thinking, yeah, well, if God spoke to me in dreams, I would obey him right away too. I would do that. But would we? Doesn't God speak to us through his word, believers? Doesn't he speak to us through his spirit who dwells within each of us as Christians? Do we obey him? Not only did Joseph obey, but he must have realized. He must have realized that a lot of people weren't going to understand this situation. That many people might still accuse Mary of unfaithfulness. Or that they might accuse Mary and Joseph of failing to remain pure before marriage. I mean, how many people would believe this was the virgin birth of the Savior of the world? But regardless of how others might respond, Joseph, Joseph obeyed. And what's amazing about his story is that this immediate obedience to God with Joseph wasn't a one-time thing. It was, a, it was a pattern in his life that Scripture shows to us. Let me show you what I mean. Let's fast forward. Fast forward after the birth of Jesus, and Magi from the east came to see the young child who was born, the king of the Jews. Now when King Herod heard of it, he told the Magi to let him know too what the location of Jesus was. Of course, we know he didn't really want to worship Jesus. He wanted to kill Jesus. Now, the Magi were warned by God not to go back to Herod. And once he realized, once Herod realized they weren't going to return, he decided he was just going to murder all the baby boys in Bethlehem and the surrounding area who were two years old and younger. 
That's where we pick up in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. It says, when they had gone, it's the Magi, when they'd gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. So what did we just see here with Joseph? We didn't see any hesitancy. No hesitancy to go to an unknown land. No waiting for a good night of sleep before he started traveling. There were no excuses. It was just obedience. Joseph got up, he got married, got Jesus, and he got out of there. Now, some of us might say, well, it's pretty easy to be obedient in that case. It was a life or death situation. That's easy obedience. So let's jump to verse 19. It says, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. Those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea, place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. So again, he's told to do something, and Joseph didn't say, you know, God, kind of tired of moving. Kind of tired of all the traveling. We've made a nice little home here. I'm comfortable. We've made friends. Work is going well. I'll go back to Israel soon, but not right now. That's not what Joseph did. No, Joseph went. This was the pattern that we find in his life. God told him to do something, and he did it. He did it without questions. did it without complaining, without bargaining, and without procrastinating. And I believe that the driving force behind the obedience and the integrity in Joseph's life is the fact that Joseph was a man of faith. He obeyed God because his faith was in God. Let me show you what I mean. If you're following along in your Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. The Gospel of Luke chapter 2. We will look at Joseph as a man of faith. Luke chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 21. So this is backing up to shortly after the birth of Christ. It says this, Luke chapter 2, verse 21. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So just so we all understand, God had commanded in the law long before this that every Jewish male 
was to be circumcised on the eighth day after birth, and that a sacrifice was to be made for the firstborn son. We find that Joseph and Mary, they fulfilled these commands. In fact, look what it says in verse 39. It says, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. So why point this out? I mean, after all, isn't this, this is just more obedience? We just saw a bunch of examples of Joseph's obedience. Why point all this out? The reason is because I wanted us to see that Joseph didn't just obey God when God spoke to him in dreams. Again, a lot of us might say that I'd obey God if he spoke to me in a dream. But we find that Joseph, he also obeyed the words of God in Scripture. That's because Joseph was a man of faith in God. How do we know that? We know that because obedience to the words of God is one of the evidences of faith in God. James chapter 2, verse 17 tells us that faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Joseph's faith in God was seen in him living for God, following the words of God in Scripture. And again, this was a pattern in his life. It doesn't seem to be a passing season for him. Joseph's faithfulness to the Lord continued. Luke chapter 2, verse 41, this is years later, says this. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. Let's just pause right here. Jesus is 12 years old when this is taking place. Years later now, and this is what we find. Passover, Passover was, was one of the yearly feasts that all Jewish men were to attend in Jerusalem. Now, the women weren't required to, but many of them did. And we read that every year, Joseph and Mary went to Jerusalem for Passover. See, they were devout followers of God, the same God who called them to parent the Savior of the world. The same God Joseph obeyed is the God whose word they followed. And that's because he is the God they believed in. Joseph was a man of faith. Let's read the rest of the story. I love this story in Luke chapter 2. Let's read it together. Verse 43, it says this. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days... They found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? They did not understand what he was saying to them. And then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Joseph 
frantically and anxiously looked for Jesus. Can you imagine being entrusted with the care of the Savior of the world and then you lost him for days? When I was young, there were a lot of Sundays when my family was the last one to leave church. So we, my dad, we would lock the doors, we would pile into the car. And it was after a Sunday like that when we were all tired, we got into the car and we started driving home. And somewhere along the line, one of my parents must have counted how many kids were in the car. One, two, three. And we were missing one because we had left my younger brother Nick at church all by himself. And I have never seen my dad take a U-turn that fast and drive to church. And when we showed up, Nick didn't even realize that he'd been left all by himself. He's just reading something outside. And I can't imagine the panic my dad must have felt, but it certainly wasn't a panic he felt as long as Joseph did. For three days, Joseph and Mary were anxiously looking for Jesus. And the reason I love that story is because no earthly father is perfect. God didn't choose Joseph because he was perfect. I believe that God chose Joseph for his role because even in Joseph's imperfections, he was a man of faith in God. He was a man of integrity, and he was a man of obedience. If this was the man that God chose to be the foster father of Jesus, what does that tell us? I think it tells us a lot of things, some of which include the fact that God God has a high view of family and fatherhood, and that in his eyes, it is important that fathers would be men of faith and obedience and integrity. As such fathers will lead their families well, even though they will make mistakes, and fathers, we will make mistakes. We'll never be perfect, neither was Joseph. That should be an encouragement to us. The only perfect one to walk this earth is the one Joseph and Mary were blessed to care for. And there are many other things in Joseph's story I wish we could take a look at and talk about this morning, but this is where we will end his story today. You may remember, though, that I said at the beginning, Joseph was a man whose life was defined by his actions. And you may have noticed throughout the story that he didn't say a word. None of his words were recorded for us. I don't think this is because Joseph was mute or shy or because he preferred not to talk. I don't think it was for any of those reasons. I believe it was because the important parts of his story could be defined by his actions of faith. And so can ours. Believers, the things that we say in this life are important, but we should never forget the impact that our actions can have on our family and those around us. The question is, do our actions reveal Christ in us? So the truth for fathers and for every believer here this morning is the same truth, and it's this, the actions that define our lives should be defined by faith. The actions that define our lives should be defined by faith. Those actions that people see in us, do they point people to Jesus Christ? Do they show the faith that we say that we have? A life like that will bless and impact others for Christ, including our family. And I pray that our faith will be evident to those around us believers through our actions, through how we live our life, so that people could see what a life changed by Jesus Christ looks like. And if you are joining us this morning, and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, you've never put your faith in Him, 
never gone to him for the forgiveness of your sins, please understand that while I hope Joseph's story would impact your life, please understand that only Jesus Christ can truly change your life. And so before you leave this morning, I just want you to understand the most important truth that you could ever hear. And it's that we are all sinners. We've all sinned. We've all broken God's commands. So we do when we lie and cheat and steal and lust, take God's name in vain, and that list goes on and on. And the Bible says that that sin is separating us from God. Not just now, but we're going to be separated forever from Him after this life in a place called hell. It's the just punishment for our sins. I'll be honest with you, the bad news gets worse. The Bible says we can't make up for our sins. Nothing we do. No amount of good works, tithing, going to church on Father's Day, none of these things will make us right in God's sight. So God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. And Jesus lived a perfect life thing that we can't do. And at the end of that life, Jesus willingly died on the cross for me and you, taking all of the punishment, all of the pain, taking the penalty we deserve for sin. After he was buried three days later, Jesus powerfully rose from the dead, proving he is who he said he is. He's the Savior, the Son of God, the only one who can forgive us. If you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, please understand that the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you have never made that decision, you can make that decision today. Would you pray with me? If that's true for you, if you know Jesus isn't your Savior, but you are ready for all of that to change, if you're ready to admit that you're a sinner, that you know Jesus died for you, you believe He didn't stay in the grave, then friend, wherever you are, you can cry out to Him in faith. You can tell Him. You can tell Him that you know you're a sinner. That you're choosing to put your trust in His death on the cross and His resurrection from the dead. Give Him your life. He'll forgive you of all your sins. He'll give you salvation, eternal life. He'll also welcome you into His family forever. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You that we who have put our faith in Jesus Christ can call You our Father. Thank You for all the examples You give us in Scripture that we're just not going to be perfect this side of heaven. We're going to make mistakes. Joseph made mistakes. So we thank you that your grace is abundant. I pray that you'd help all of us as followers of Jesus Christ to strive to live lives of faith, obedience, and integrity. Help us to recognize that our actions will impact those around us. We pray that that impact would be to point people to Jesus Christ. And every time, every time, we have a chance to see someone put their faith in Jesus, help us respond the way we did this morning when we broke out rejoicing. Now, oh, Father, we love you. But you proved long ago when you sent your son that you love us so much more. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.